1: Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by The Jealous Rival of Steel Wool, which is the lesser-appreciated disc-scrubbing tool, Sheep's Wool. Instead, it's supported by the generous contributions of people like you, our listeners, on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinkingsideways to learn more. Thinking Sideways
0: I don't understand.
1: Stories of
2: things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. The podcast. The podcast. I am Steve, as always, joined by... Devin, Joe. You didn't sing that, Joe. <laughs> I thought I you were singing to sing today. It? Okay. Oh, wait, that's the wrong episode. <sighs>
3: Cracky, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: next time next time hand
1: in my guitar
2: <laughs> no um so today's story um oh well actually before we get into today's story today's uh episode is part of our summer series where we're taking some of the smaller mysteries and, and going over those so that gives us some time off during the summer and it allows us some time to research the bigger mysteries
3: yeah yeah
2: like dizzy cooper and
3: Stan cooper thing. Just Dan Cooper.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Just
3: the entire summer full of Dan Cooper. <laughs>
2: yeah. The summer of Dan. That's right.
3: <laughs> 500 Dans of summer. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: oh, I'm sorry. You are
2: so proud of yourself. I'm really
3: proud of myself. I woke up at four o'clock this morning. I've been awake for a very long time. Okay. I'm that sorry. a long time. Okay, let's talk yeah. about these man eaters. Sorry. Okay.
2: Today's story is the Savo Man Eaters, uh, and this is a listener suggestion. This was suggested by David. Okay, thanks, David. Yeah, no, this is a fun one. I I had forgotten about this until I came across it on the well, list.
1: Well, it's, it's fun except for the people that got eaten. But. Shush! Yeah, yeah.
2: Jeez. spoilers! spoilers. Yeah. we got to stop doing. We this really, show. really do. Yeah. Uh, so. The Savo man-eaters are two African lions who, in 1898, uh, who were named locally the Ghost and the Darkness, killed workers on the East Africa Railroad at the Savo River, which is today modern-day Savo National Park in Kenya.
1: If you go to do a Google on Savo, it's spelled T-S-A-V-O. Yes,
2: it is. Um, now, those lions, because of what they were doing to the people who were there, they actually uh, stopped the the railroad project that was going on. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until they were eventually killed by uh, British Army Colonel John Patterson that the uh, the project could move forward and complete, at least the part that he was responsible for. Mm-hmm. But our, our, our mystery here, we're going to have to tell the story, but our mystery here is why did they do it?
3: Why, like, why did the lions kill the
2: humans? Yes, not not I, why did the British build a railroad. It's, I think it's because they were hungry. <laughs> well, what motivated them, since lions aren't typically known to hunt humans, mm-hmm. and they were, they were taking out, according to the story, great swaths of people. Well,
3: they I were. mean, they are cats, and cats are jerks. <laughs> 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 oh! So, maybe that.
2: Uh, you just alienated all of our feline listeners. Sorry, kitties. Since Devin doesn't have a comeback for that, we'll go ahead and just start the story. Uh, In 1896, the British had decided to build a railroad in their East African colony, uh, and that was going to run from the port city of Mombasa, which is in modern-day Kenya. And then that rail line was going to run all the way to Lake Victoria and then go on to Uganda. And officially it was named the Uganda Railroad, But unofficially, it was called the lunatic line, and that's because there was a lot of people in Parliament who didn't think that it was worth it and they shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Uh, They described it as the railroad that ran from nowhere to nowhere.
1: Kind of like that high-speed rail project in California.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Um, Officially, what the British were hoping was that it would encourage people to move into the interior of Africa and provide a method for transporting trade products between Africa and Europe. And by people, I mean British citizens, because it was a colony, and they wanted to get citizens in there, because that's how they were going to tame the, uh, what did they call it, it was the darkest Africa.
1: Oh darkest Africa. Yeah. yeah, I think that yeah. was
2: what they called it. They considered it a land of savages at the time, is the way that you see it described.
3: It was I mean, again, it was like the eight, late eighteen hundreds. Yes.
2: Yeah. So this is this is based on writings at that time. Before that's, the term um, that was their description of yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I don't know that the term was actually based on the complexions of the people who lived there. I think no. it was more like sort of the like heart you know, like kind of heart of darkness kind of thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah it was, it was a hard place to get to um now yeah. unofficially this railroad was also it was also intended to provide an alternative method to what the standard method of getting things from the interior of Africa to the coast was which was on foot mm. which is a long long walk It's a and, long uh, hike
1: and you got to have a lot of people to carry all that stuff
2: you do and porters aren't cheap and because cheap labor is kind of important when you're, you're trading, there was a blossoming slave trade. Of course. So there was tons of slaves that were being picked up in that entire region, and then they would be walking in and out until eventually they die.
3: Oh, so we're talking cheap as free, not like underpaid. Well, not Cur- quite well, well, they they you've got to buy the slave. So okay. it's not
2: technically free. You're not paying wages. Correct. Yeah. No. So therefore you're not gonna you're not gonna spend a bunch of money on people. You just get your product, you hoof it into town, if somebody dies on the way. Oops. Whoops. Yeah. You're out, whatever you paid for them, then it's on back down the road. Oh. Now oh, w- I wonder
1: how many slaves it took to carry a car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the weirdest question you've asked me in a while. Um now it did uh it did eventually help uh bring the the slave trade down it wasn't the reason that the slave trade would eventually collapse. the train line
3: hmm? helps the train, the train line, line yeah. yeah
2: because if you can throw things on a train yeah it's cheaper it's easier. way cheaper and yes. easier um and less morally wrong
1: oh there's that too you know.
2: yeah for the people who who had who cared mm-hmm. i mean people who are buying and selling slaves typically probably don't have a compunction to worry about that eh. mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, a lot of people still back in those days thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. it was standard fare. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're going to build this railroad, and thousands of laborers are brought in, and they are Indian and Chinese. Mm. So Chinese? yeah, there was it was Indians and there was Chinese brought in. Mm. Um, they were they were all as a group. The British referred to them as coolies. Mm. They were their laborers. Um, Did the lions
1: have a preference for one group or the other?
2: Not that I know of. Okay. Um, (laughs) So the railroad itself was going to be a total of 580 miles long. And when it was done, it it crossed valleys and rivers. Uh, Crazy, though, it took 30 years to complete. Uh, mm-hmm. It started in 1896. It reached Nairobi in 1899, Lake Victoria in 1901, and then it took almost 30 er, 27 more years for it to eventually get to Kampala, Uganda. Mm, that's a long time. I, yeah, I think that there were some political tensions going on. Uh, yeah. I, I think that mostly it was, and I don't mean political tensions in the area, I mean political tensions in Britain, in the parliament, of why are we dumping more money into this? Mm. So that's why it didn't, it didn't get very well funded at that point.
1: Mm, okay.
2: So we're going to go to... 1898. This is two years after the construction has begun. Okay. The rail line has reached the Savo River in Kenya, which is about 130 miles away from Mombasa. That's actually pretty good progress. It actually is pretty good progress for a rail line that's being built by hand. Mm. Um, And what they have to do is they have to cross a river. So they build a temporary bridge so that they can keep working on the rail line. And then in place of that temporary bridge, they pull it down and they're going to start putting in the actual bridge. Like
3: they did with the Selwood Bridge. Right.
2: So, because why do you want to wait all this time for the bridge to be done when you can keep making forward progress? Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. So what they do is in March of that year, they bring in British Army Colonel John Patterson. Um, and he's brought in from India because he was evidently, he was great with bridges. And that was his thing.
3: Nerd alert.
2: Yeah. <laughs> during uh, during the cr- construction of the bridge, like I said, the they're going to be building the bridge. And the rail line itself is going to keep moving forward, the leading edge of the line as they're constructing it. And this, what will happen is that the camps, because the men who are working on the line have to sleep at night, so they set up temporary camps, and their camps from the bridge forward over time start to spread out about over a 20-mile area. Okay. So it's a pretty big swath of area. Yeah. Well, it's not, but uh, I think it's within a couple of days to a week of Patterson arriving that men start disappearing mean, and... Meaning he's a serial killer? I was going to
3: say, no one immediately was like, oh, crap. No, <laughs> no,
2: because all of the workers come to him and say, they're being dragged out of their tents at night by a lion. And he's like... No, that's not really happening. I don't really believe you. Uh, and eventually, he he does go with them. They find a body. And mm. I've read the accounting of it. And if you, from the description of it, it was pretty obvious that it was a big cat that must have been doing it. So at that point, he's on board. And eventually, the workers would figure out that there wasn't just one, but there was actually two lions.
3: Not to be racist, but how could they tell it was two different lions?
2: Oh, wait. Okay. So you're act, you're you no, made a I'm joke, actually but no. I actually you actually I actually. have a phrased real
3: it like a joke, but it's an actual question.
2: When you see two lions at the same time, they you will... know that there's more than one.
3: Okay. I mean, I guess. I just thought that male lions hunted alone.
1: Probably these these two sort of had a had a. Alliance.
2: They were brothers? Uh, it was later determined that they were brothers. Mm. But the thing is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about these kind of lions in just a moment. But males will be with a pride of females. And if a male doesn't have a pride, then he's just going to rove. Mm. Sometimes males will work together to, to hunt because it's mutually beneficial, at least for a certain amount of time. So it's not completely unheard of. To have a couple of males just kicking around at the same time together okay it's
1: so actually yeah, it'd be really handy for hunting because i mean if you just you know like go spook some gazelles and drive them towards your bro yeah. you know
3: well i mean that's why you know wolves hunt in packs mm-hmm. a lot of animals hunt
2: in packs because big easier. cats do it all uh-huh. the time yeah, yeah except for usually not two males no no but and so let's let's go ahead and talk about this because The lions that are in question here are Savo lions, and they're different than the lions that I think most people think of or are familiar with, which is the lions of the Serengeti. So there's there's some physical differences and there's some behavioral differences.
1: They're a lot bigger, for one thing.
2: They are. They are much bigger, and they they also don't have manes. So a normal, uh, a, you know, the Serengeti lion has that big giant mane that's so iconic, but these lions don't, and, and it's not a hundred percent understood why. There's some ideas that maybe it's because of the fact that that region is hotter than the Serengeti.
1: Yeah, I think that's that probably is the reason.
2: Well, that's a good reason. Um, or there's also the idea that because the landscape in that area is very scrubby, it's scrub brush and it's very thorny scrub. So if a, an animal is squeezing through a brush, either the mane is going to get caught or you're going to get all kinds of stuff caught in the mane.
3: They have a little bit of a mane.
2: So they have they do have scruff occasionally if they have a mane. I loved it. I was looking at a drawing and they they show just in front of the ears. They then it they literally call it the sideburn and mm-hmm. the the beard cuz it's it's almost never fully encompassing or going all the way around the neck like mm-hmm. you see traditionally.
3: Right. But I guess these two I was just looking at pictures. They had a little, little tiny very a little very... bit of mane.
2: Well, and that's the hard part though is that if you look at the pictures of these particular lions in the I can't remember what museum they're in right now mm-hmm. that uh, those are the skins of those lions after they were rugs for about 20 years yeah. so they weren't in great condition when they were brought in. If you look at the photos from after they were shot, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot there then, it looks like but it's, about it's also not. They're old images. It's really hard to tell.
1: Yeah. yeah, but apparently they were skillfully restored, and now they're they're stuffed and look like the real thing.
2: They do, except they're smaller.
1: Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, oh, that's true. It's good.
2: They're point. much smaller than they would be normally because of the fact that they were skinned to make into rugs yeah. and not to make into uh, replicas.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, mannequins yeah. or
2: whatever you want to call it. So I they, can't think they, of the
1: they, right word. Yeah, they had trimmed away parts of the skins. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, um, but there's aren't they in Chicago?
2: Uh,
3: the Field Museum in um, Chicago, oh, okay. Okay. Illinois.
2: Oh, thanks for looking that up. I knew yeah. it was field something. I can mm-hmm. remember what it was. Um, oh, well, let's talk a little bit more about Savo lions, though. There's a couple of things more to talk about here. We talked about the fact that they're larger than the Serengeti lions, and it's believed that that might be that they're actually a more primitive version of the lion. Mm. Because if you see, apparently if you look at the drawings from like the Egyptians, because there was lions running around at 2,000 years ago in that region, they look the same. They don't have a mane and they're very large in the, mm. the illustrations. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons. The other thing is that these lions are, no, the males especially, are notably super aggressive because they have really high levels of testosterone. So they are prone to, their automatic reaction is to attack just because they're always kind of... They're dudes. They're totally worked up all the time. Okay. <laughs> That's I know all some, I got. <laughs> I know
3: some dudes like that. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah,
2: do. So, um, I, I, we'll go back to the story, though. As I said, the workers were spread over a, a large area, again, about 10, 20 miles, and the lions started to attack, and they were attack primarily at night. They didn't show up every night. Well, so it wasn't as if it was every single night they were there. A half a human is a lot of... Yeah, meal.
1: I would say a human would make a couple of days good eating.
2: The other thing, though, is that when they showed up, they were much more likely to attack the livestock as they were the people. Because you got to remember, it's a camp of workers who have to have work animals or draft animals, and they've also got to feed themselves. So there's tons of livestock around. So it's whatever seemed most convenient. Whatever so whatever's th- easy pickings hmm. Whatever we, was easy picking, that you makes got. Sense.
1: Yeah, so I think if I was putting up my tent, if I was one of them workers, I would like stick goats and cows all around it <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that they would get yeah. it and you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that they did, uh, the, the, everybody was trying to keep the lions out. So what the, the coolies would do is they would, they would build fences. They were called boma fences. And they would use the local acacia which is a super thorny tree and bush, and they'd build fences out of that. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a barbed wire fence of nature at this point. And they would also light big campfires and keep those fires going all night long in the hopes that the sound and the light would keep the lions from coming in. It didn't, uh, didn't work so well because the lions kept getting through the fences and, they were, and they were kept causing smart. havoc. <sighs> yeah, they were. they were. They were damn smart there well there's a there's a really interesting account where a lion actually got into a tent where a a guy was sleeping and in the scuffle and panic Ended up grabbing the mattress, the sleeping mattress that the guy had, and running away with that. And so the guy got away and the lion got a couple of, I'm guessing, a couple of yards, realized it didn't have its prey, and dropped it and continued on. I feel like that
3: might say something bad about the state of the workers, (laughs) that they were easily mistaken
2: for a mattress. Well, I think it's in the dark in a tent in the scuffle with the smells are your primary it's a sleeping pad that you sleep on or a mattress thing true. you're sweating on it all the time
3: well maybe it is Mm -hmm. i don't know you're right okay you're right (laughs) (laughs) a mattress and a human are interchangeable
2: they are of course yeah that's why i have one sitting in my cube right now at the office everybody thinks i'm working diligently (laughs) Wait till they realize it's (laughs) SIRTA. All right. So April of that year, um, at this point, Patterson's been there for about a month or so. And now the rail line is extended 40 miles away from the Savo. And there's only a couple hundred workers left at the camp who are building the bridge And because this is where, you know, the bulk of the humans have moved on and the camp is around the bridge, that's where the lions start to focus their attacks.
1: That's where the goodies are.
2: Exactly. And so Patterson, he, he, um, so he was brought in from India where he had done a whole bunch of lion or not lion, but tiger hunting. And so he considered himself a hunter of big cats what he would do is he would climb a tree at night and he would sit in the tree all night long hoping that he could spot and then shoot one of the lions uh, obviously he didn't have a whole lot of luck with it the you know he's in a tree one night the lions show up they get into the hospital tent and they take somebody away so he says move the move the hospital tent so they do the lion goes to the new location of the hospital tent and takes somebody else away. I think it was the water boy mm-hmm. um, takes him away. So then they do it a third time. They move the tent a third time. And I'm like, why is he doing Does he not realize that lions can smell? Like, yeah. why are you moving it?
1: Yeah, they're not stupid.
2: They're not stupid. But These ones particularly. These yeah. ones particularly. And what he did this time when he moved the hospital tent the third time is he put up this uh, rail car contraption that he had designed and it had cattle in it. And the idea, I think, was that to get the lion in, shut the door so the lion couldn't get out, and then you could, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, lions in a car, kind of the same thing for him, except it didn't work out. The lion got a cow, got in, got the cow, got it out of the car, but then couldn't figure out how to get it through the fence and eventually... Took off
1: Ah, uh, through
2: the fence. So, when it, the thing, I guess what happened though is that uh, Patterson and the camp doctor, because it was near where the hospital site was, were out there at night and the line at that point. Instead of trying to continue to drag the cow out of the fence, turned around and started stalking these two guys. And it might be more fittable under the fence, huh? Yeah, yeah. So obviously it's very aggressive when, hey, I've just killed something. I can't get it. Ah, I'll go kill something else. I'm still hungry. I'm I'm totally still hungry. Um, So it did eventually attempt to attack them. And this is where uh, Patterson shot at it. And he said he managed to wound it by shooting one of its teeth. And that scared it away enough. And the the whole tooth thing is supported with the the actual jaw of one of the lions. There is a broken tooth now. Whether that tooth was shot by him or broken in some other manner, there is that's, some contention about that's, that. That's that's in yeah. dispute. But it seems weird. It seems like a hell of a lucky shot. Well, it
1: seems it's... like a, it seems like it would, it would kill the lion. You shoot him in the head, basically.
2: Well, not if you yeah. shoot it from the side, or from... and it grazes it, or you know, or if it goes out. Think of if it went through the cheek. Yeah,
1: I suppose it could have been deflected.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch of ways that this could happen. Yeah. Either way. Like I said, I don't I think that mostly it was right there and he shot and it scared the holy crap out of him. and It took off. But that's that's just my opinion. So of course. Okay, so we've got the, the whole he shot it in the mouth. The lions then take off for a while and they they leave the camp for several weeks. And I'm sure Patterson is just relieved and thinking, well, yeah, I got rid of them.
3: Scared him off. I did it. Yeah. yeah. Unbeknownst That's to him. That's what British accents sound like, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, unbeknownst to him, what the Lions had uh, been doing during that couple of weeks was actually stalking um, some of the other construction camps that were farther away. And... They do eventually return to the bridge site. This is several weeks later. One of the cats enters and drags a worker away, and these and, and both of them show up to the body of this worker. And this is how brazen they get after a while. They only drag the body thirty feet away from the or thirty yards away from the camp, and then begin to have their meal. So they're obviously not intimidated by people. Which at this point uh, I'd be thinking of a career change.
3: Yeah, me too. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't be staying there.
2: No, no, not at all. And and so this this continues for months. These lions can keep coming back, and they keep making a kill and taking something, whether it be human or a four legged uh, critter, away as a meal. We get to the first of December, and at this point, most of the workers board the train and they leave. They've they've kind of had enough. The, the, there's just this is not worth it and they're gone I'm there's some people that. yeah yeah it makes total sense there's some people left there's some workers who are going to try and stay on on the 9th of December one of the lions manages to kill a, the a donkey that's in camp mm. and Patterson sees this as his opportunity and what he does is he has a, a bunch of guys go around behind it and then come at it making as much noise as they can to startle it to scare it out into the open so that he can you know you shoot it well he does manage to to hit it he does manage to wound the lion but it, it, it gets away but he's pretty sure that it's going to come back because it wants to get the meal the the donkey yeah so i would what does he do he builds a platform that he can sit on and be uh, in, in a perch he waits uh lo and behold the lion comes back but this time it doesn't come back for the donkey. It instead is, uh, it's, it approaches Patterson on his perch instead of going to the donkey.
3: Uh, yeah. We, are we doing that thing that we do when we listen to Steve's stories where we do like the grandiose storytelling of the night and then go back and like talk about stuff?
2: So here's the thing is that. From what I can tell, the majority of the story comes from Patterson himself. So the details, the accounts of how it happened, he was, this was something that happened a lot of guys would do, is you would be off somewhere and you'd write a, a, you know, a bit of an adventure that had happened. You'd sell it to newspapers. Mm -hmm. And it seems that that's what Patterson was doing. And then eventually he collected those and he put those into a book that he wrote. And that's where almost all of this story is sourced from. Now the lions are real. And it is a, it, it, the fact that they were killing people is real. Mm-hmm. Now his, they were stalking
3: me and they came after me and I shot its canine tooth off. That's, that's all Patterson. Okay.
2: That's all Patterson. That, we only have sure one that source we're of this, that. Uh, and there's no reason not to believe him. But. No, wow. I mean I, there are some reasons. The, to not there, believe there him. is. Okay, so I, what, let's talk about this briefly. Yeah. Uh, let me finish what happens to this lion, yes. and then I want to talk about uh, something to follow up on that. What happens with this lion is that it's circling underneath him while he's in his perch, and he goes ahead and takes more shots at it. He does manage to hit it. Um, he hits it two more times and manages to kill it. So he took a total of three bullets to put this creature down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, I want to talk real briefly about his writings and his book. Mm-hmm. Did either of you get a chance? To, uh, it's all available online to skim through any of that. Yeah, no, actually, I did not. Okay, so it's not the greatest read in the world. But what's very funny is that about the first third to half of the book is, is dedicated to this story. And then after that, it's all his accounts of hunting big cats. So he becomes the man-eater killer. Mm. So he goes hunting after lions. He starts hunting tigers again. Um, so he's like a dentist's son, <laughs> kind of
1: like
2: something that. like that. Except that, like when you when you get into his stories, it's I shot the beast and it leapt back up and charged back at me. Mm-hmm. Like he, he always describes these things as if they are they are just amazingly resilient and impervious to bullets. You know, the bullet went right through it, but it didn't phase it, and it kept running at me. Uh, that, that stuff does happen, actually. That does happen, but when you read one after the next after the next that has the same kind of descriptions of the events... That's when I worry a little bit about it. So some of this may have, you know, I, I don't know how much he uh, I don't want to say inflated, embellished, but you yeah. punched, embellished it the up story, a little bit, bedazzled you know? the dazzle factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, you know, actually, uh, tiger hunting especially is dangerous. I saw oh this, yeah, I saw this incredible video. This it was like a first person shot kind of thing. Someone who was holding a camera and riding on the back of an elephant. I, I assume in India. Mm-hmm. And there's Is an that elephant the, the
2: it runs up on the elephant? Yeah, suddenly
1: suddenly, it just comes charging out of the grass, and man, just like, baby, he's on the elephant, come up the side of the elephant, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And so
2: I, I assume whoever was holding the camera died. Uh, uh, I think I remember that one, and I don't think that person died. I think that's just where the, the video broke.
3: We should just make clear, if it's not abundantly clear already, we are not advocating no. the oh, no. hunting of game like this. No, 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 it's no horrible.
1: Well, unless they're they're actually killing people then I can sort of... Sure, if it's like
3: I have to put this animal down for safety fine yeah. that's I mean, a totally different thing and we're we're yeah. talking
2: about a late 19th century event mm-hmm. this was commonplace at the time yeah. it was believed everybody believed that this was okay there's tons of these animals we can't it doesn't matter
3: yeah i just mean that as we're starting to talk about you know it's really dangerous <laughs> tiger oh, hunting it is
1: dangerous well, tiger is hunting that, is
2: dangerous that's... so don't well, Do that's that story yeah. Joe's talking about. I don't think that's an actual tiger hunt. That is just somebody on the back of yeah. an elephant. No, I, <laughs> it could have been that too. I, don't know. I just want to make sure that
3: everyone knows that we are not pro-killing yes, things. I appreciate, oh, no.
2: and I, and I, oh, no, I agree with you there. No, I don't want to. Okay, so what happened to, to the second lion? Okay, so at this point, we've only got one lion. Um, and a couple of nights later, it comes back to camp, and it attacks two goats. And so Patterson decides, well, you know what? I, I Evidently, it's got a taste for goats. I'm going to put a couple of more goats out. And he ties three goats out to a railroad tie, or at least a partial railroad tie. And if anybody's picked up a railroad tie, they're pretty heavy. They're friggin' heavy. Well, this (laughs) lion shows up, kills one of the goats, and then drags it and the railroad tie away.
1: Well, presumably also the other two goats.
2: You know, as I reread this, I'm wondering if maybe it was three goats tied to three individual railroad ties. That would
1: make more sense, yeah.
2: Probably. Um, So they, of course, they go ahead and they, uh, you know, he takes shots at it because he's such a good shot. He puts uh, like three, four, five shots at it, but he had never managed to hit it. Um, It was.
1: Probably it was, was sh- dark. It was dark. It
2: was dark. I I'm I'm being a little bit of a jerk to Patterson. It was it was dark at night. There wasn't a whole lot of light. But the the next day, they he and several workers follow the trail and they find um they find the lion. Uh, it ran off. So at this point, he goes ahead and he builds himself another platform because the other one was bad. Well, they were both hunting oh, people in, a in different the camps. Place. Got it. It wasn't like one. St- oh, Billy Lion always stays at camp, and Timmy Lion always goes and hunts the people. They were both doing. Mm, so he builds himself another perch he's sitting on the perch um, that night and the lion returns and he does manage to shoot it twice Uh, evidently he had a double barrel gun and the lion walked directly underneath his perch and he simply enough pointed down and pulled both triggers and shot it Uh, It
1: that must have been quite
2: a kick it had to be a Two hell of a kick. Well,
1: because those guns, those big game guns in Africa, those, those double-barreled ones, they're, they're huge. They're chambered for enormous rounds. Yes, like, yeah,
2: yeah. So he he shoots it, uh, but he doesn't actually kill it, and it takes off. That's a tough little kitty. They are, and and this lion stays away for another ten days. At this point, they're thinking, well, it must have died from its wounds. Except that then on the 29th of December, it returns and it tries to pull a worker who's sleeping in a tree out of the tree... Uh, it The guy manages to not be taken, so Patterson says, okay, well, it, it likes this tree, you go sleep somewhere else, I'm going to climb up into the tree, and uh, it does come back, comes back to that tree, and he manages to get another sh- uh, another two shots into it, at which point it runs away again. In the morning, they follow the the trail of blood and they do find the lion. And apparently when they got to it, I'm guessing they must have found it kind of cornered because it charged them. And he dumped so many bullets into it. He said he shot it five or six times. So, so he put he, in was like... Was he a nine...
1: fast reloader or did he have He had with... multiple
2: guns. Oh, okay. He had guys so who were carrying loaded weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he managed to put five or six shots into it. So a total of like nine bullets. Maybe I, ten. I, I
3: just like the idea of a guy being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You seven people carry my guns. No, no. Don't shoot them. Don't help me. Just hand them to me.
2: Mm-hmm. You are the worker. I am. I'm the, the hero. I'm the hero. Yeah. I'm the protagonist of this yes. story. Damn it. Yeah. And and
1: it he might did. be that those people, none of them had any experience shooting, though. So I mean, probably it, absolutely. That and yes, out. that's
3: it. Is like taking that story a little far. But I just like the image of him yeah. saying, like, no, 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 don't help me. Yeah. Well, I know. And
2: can you see him taking two shots as the lion is running at him? He's like, bang, bang holds the gun back right. and is waiting for somebody to take it and That's then why and him another and run one away. <laughs> yeah
3: why like you know a lion is charging you i don't know why your initial reaction wouldn't be I have a gun that's loaded. I will aim and pull. Yeah, there's a lot of kick, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But if, you know, if seven guns are going off with double barrels at once, the chances of hitting that animal are pretty dang
2: good. Instead, what a lot of the accounts were, you know what the primary method of getting away from uh, an attacking lion was?
1: Run. Climb
2: a tree. Mm-hmm. It, it was so funny This is another thing I picked up from his book Is, is And then I turned around And so and so who had my gun Had lost his nerve And I saw him ten feet up The nearest tree <laughs> Like mm-hmm. They would do that So to be able to stand there And hand this guy gun after gun That actually takes a lot of willpower To, to, to expect not to be Just obliterated By this angry cat that's running well, at you It well,
1: might be that there wasn't any tree nearby To climb up
3: either so yes. they had they kind of had no choice maybe. It's also yeah. funny to me cuz I'm pretty sure lions do climb. Trees, oh yeah. So oh yeah, they're cats. They can I'm climb. I'm not totally sure why they would say, "Ah, oh, no, but, they can't get me up here." Definitely not.
1: Well, yeah, but if you're if there's more than one of you, if you're the first up the tree, then you yeah. know,
2: probably <laughs> probably, probably okay. true. That's true. <laughs> and there's the fact that when you're smaller and lighter, you can go up farther mm-hmm. than the lion can before that's, it gets kind of That's
3: my advantage it in is. this world. It I is. can escape lions faster. Or at least higher than
2: anyone hmm. else. Well, true. As long as you can jump up and get the branch. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of short. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, okay. So at this point, Patterson has killed both of the lions. He is triumphant. He finishes his bridge, Hooray. and he goes on. Like I said, he writes a book and he does all this stuff uh, to kind of make a living in a, in a sense on his deeds. He says that these lions killed. At least, if not more than 135 men in the nine months that they were stalking everybody at the camp. That seems like a lot.
1: It is an awful lot. It
2: really does. That would be, uh, if you do the math, that is one person every other day during the time frame for nine months. For nine months. I personally feel that more likely what's happening is that people are getting, the, they're scared out of their minds, and they're bailing, they're they're leaving, and you go, oh, well, yeah. where is he? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, the lion must have got him. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that,
3: it also would be if if there was some kind of shady, you know, if the workers were kind of like indentured workers or something like that, it would be a good way to escape. Without people going after
2: your family, maybe, maybe but blood. But it was, but it was, it was Imperial Britain, so it's not like they would turn around and say you, your, your, your son escaped, the, or ran away from the work. It was they didn't seem to be practicing slavery. I mean, they were trying to get rid of slavery in the area.
3: No, I don't mean slavery, but I just mean you know if there was some sort of deal that was set up, like I'm working off my debt or something. Oh, like that, I see what you're it'd saying. It'd be a really easy way to be like, you know what, a lion probably took me.
1: Mm, Maybe. I don't don't know if that's what the arrangement was. uh, I don't either. I'm just, just, you know.
2: Um, I do want to point out, though, with this 135 number that it's probably wrong, um, as we've already been talking about. Yeah. There is some tests that were done with science that I totally don't understand, but they did tests on the skin and the hair of the lions, and they were looking for uh, Delta 13C and nitrogen 15. And somehow used that to determine how many people each of the lions had eaten. Versus and they,
1: other meats. Like, right. You know, pigs, goats, the, whatever. Yeah, yeah.
2: and they, they figured out that one of them must have eaten 10 people and the other one must have eaten 25. So one of them was more likely to uh, eat, kill and eat a person than the other one. I'm guessing the other one was more interested in the goats and the, the horses and the cattle and donkeys you know, and everything else that was there.
1: You know, a goat's a lot easier to carry away. And True, but it, it makes you know, a pretty good little
2: snack. Yeah, but you got to eat three goats in a night. Yeah. They're not that big.
1: I don't know. For, for, for you think one goat would not be enough?
2: I don't think a goat would be enough. Really? But that's just me. I
3: think a goat is the same as half a person,
2: or a third at least. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Probably. Yeah.
3: When was the or, last time you were a goat?
2: I think they it's are nothing more. but sinew and guts and mm. bone.
3: Sorry, I don't eat goat a whole lot.
2: Uh, well. Yeah, me neither. I have. there. There's not a whole lot to them. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, okay. You, just buy, you just buy a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the lion was doing. Yeah. Why, are, why is the six-pack tied to this heavy, heavy thing? Yeah. That lion must have been so peeved. Yeah. Okie doke. Well, that is the end of the story. So at this point now, we need to get into the theories. Because our original question is, what was it that was driving these two lions to be attacking humans exactly. so much? Exactly, yeah. There's a number of theories. The first theory that we're going to talk about is the slave trade. Because as we said in the beginning, slave trade was uh, pretty active in the area. And one of the very well-known behaviors of slave traders is that if a slave dies... You just drop them where they fall, you leave them there, and you keep on going. You don't bother to give them a burial or anything mm-hmm. like that. Of course
1: not, yeah.
3: You lion... might dump them like
2: off the trail a little bit so Maybe, the other slaves yeah. aren't demoralized. But lions are scavengers. They They have no problem with scavenging. They can be scavengers. Yeah. yeah. So they're, you know, if they are wandering along and, oh hey, um,
1: somebody lots a snack here for them. There's,
2: me. there's a, there's a thing there, and you know the hyenas have already started ripping into it, and I bet you I could get some food out of it.
1: Yeah, just like you know if I'm walking down the street and I see a, I see a Twinkie on the sidewalk, you know, I, mean, I go for it.
2: That's so gross, dude. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> <laughs> a, that you're eating Twinkies, and B, off the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay, let's keep going. Um, Oh, the other thing about the Savo River is a Apparently, according to the reading, it was the river itself was a bit of a dumping ground for bodies because the I'm guessing I've got to presume that it's because the route that they took followed the river. So if somebody dies, you just chuck the body in. So bodies were floating down the river all the time. That's my presumption on that. So the theory here goes that these lions, um, at this point, they're used to having human remains around to scavenge on. So they come to consider humans as a normal food source. And if you think about it, if there's, you know, let's say there's a bunch of slaves tied up at night in a camp and you just come running in and they don't fight back and they can't run away. Well, that's the best cafeteria ever. Yeah. yeah. Pretty True. sweet food. Yeah. yeah so they, they would at that point consider, um, you know, people's food source. And now the camps are setting up. So you've got this abundance of humans. That's great. And then add to this. Oh, and look, they've also brought along all these other animals, you know, like we talked about the, before, the goats, the donkeys, the horses, the cows, all of that stuff. That, that, it's just, it's too tempting. Well, well all these things that I know how yeah. to eat are
1: here. Yeah, you totally can't blame them. I mean, I would take advantage of a, a great opportunity like that.
2: Yeah, and, and well, then that's the theory, though. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this in terms of the, the scavenging, but this is this theory says that basically they got used to eating people, so people mm-hmm. are on the menu.
3: I guess for me it just seems like it's a leap. To go from, this is a super easy thing that doesn't fight back at all. It's just easy meat that's laying there. To go to, this is a thing that fights back and I have to like break into a camp and be really smart. Just because it's meat that's similar to what they're used to. Instead of targeting their normal, I guess, natural prey.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Because, I mean, it's not as though there was a shortage of normal prey for them around the area,
2: right? Well, there might have been. We'll talk about that. Okay. There, there is something because
3: if that's the case, then yes, I agree. You know,
2: but if you also think about it, if they're used to walking up and seeing a body and mm-hmm. then snacking on that body, mm-hmm. and now they walk up and that body is still laying on the ground, it just happens to be in this weird contraption that humans call a tent. Mm-hmm. Well, then you just you walk in and then you grab the body as you normally do, and oh, it's struggling. Well, I better run away with it.
1: I, mm-hmm. with you, I better shake it by the neck real hard and break yeah. its neck. Because
2: you know. that's the thing is that uh, you know I. I guess I never really thought about it, though I knew it, is the way that lions kill. Mm-hmm. They Their natural method of killing is to grab the throat and clamp down and suffocate while at the same time thrashing about to break the neck. Mm-hmm. And so it's either breaking the neck or suffocating their prey. And that makes sense when you think about it, but I had never thought it. So that would mm-hmm. explain why, you know, they come and they're like, do the quick clamp and run. Mm-hmm. The thing is going to die. Yeah. Let's go to a sort of similar theory. So our second theory is similar. Um, it's it's described as partial cremations. And I will be honest that I only saw that in one or two places. I saw the term partial cremations in one place. I saw some other stuff that we'll talk about this in Patterson's book. Uh, but... I I have to I have to admit that I tried to get a better sense of what partial cremations meant. I was doing research on it. All I can figure is that somebody tried to cremate the body, to light a fire but they didn't do a good job of it, so the body didn't burn. I would guess it's
3: the lack of, like, a pyre.
1: It it takes a lot of wood to actually totally consume it. And there's not a whole lot of wood in that area. Yeah, Yeah.
3: so I would assume that somebody set up a kind of abbreviated, Mm -hmm. if you will, little pile and set them on fire and watch for a little while, and then you walk away assuming it'll continue to burn, and it goes out, and it's just a half-burned corpse (laughs) in the
2: desert. Yeah. And related to that, um, the other place that I saw some descriptions of, of not exactly the same thing, but in Patterson's reading or in his book, I came across some stuff about the fact that there were poorly dug graves so people would try to bury somebody but they would only you know dig down a little bit and then cover the body up and then other scavengers would come along and dig it up Mm -hmm. now patterson he says these things he blaming the people who were burying the body in kind of a derogatory way but really i think it's just that they buried a body not expecting critters to come dig it back up and critters dig it back up and so this again is following the the same lines as the last one of well now they're used to eating people because they've been scavenging on
3: them. It's possible they were slaves, too. I mean, it's possible that slaves weren't actually just unceremoniously dumped, but kind of haphazardly given some kind of something. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's absolutely possible.
3: Or workers. I mean, uh, it's not unlikely that a lot of workers were dying while they were working on if, this. Uh,
1: if they send you out to dig a grave for somebody and, and, get, and bury the body, you know, the, the tent, people tend to cut corners a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be tempted to bury the grave two or three feet down and, and, yeah. and just... Take, that, take the rest of the day off and just say you spent all day digging the grave. Yeah. Really?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and building railroads was not a safe occupation. Oh, no. People no. died all the freaking time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually kind of wonder if that's part of the number that he had in terms of where that 135 number came. Is yeah. that Maybe somebody died. somebody died yeah. and they didn't want to say, oh, well, we accidentally had this pile of stuff fall on him. They just said, oh, well, the lion took him. Yeah. Yeah. That's entirely possible as well. The next theory that we have, which we alluded to a little bit, this is the one that we were kind of talking about, which is the food source. Uh, the theory is cattle plagues. The savo lions are one of the the only animals that are able to take down Cape Buffalo. And if you don't know what a Cape buffalo is, it's kind of like a water buffalo. They're not actually related, but it looks like a water buffalo, only bigger. Mm. They're huge creatures, and there's tons of meat on them. The problem is, as a food source for lions, they kind of suck because they're just as likely to injure or kill the lion as not. Mm. So they're very tough to take down. I, I would
1: definitely be looking for easier sources of food.
2: Well, and lucky for the lions, we as humans love cows, and we brought a whole bunch of cows to the area. So the lions would have said, well, the cow is much easier to eat. Doesn't have horns. Well, yeah, it does. But <laughs> the thing is that cows are not very good at fighting back, so chances are good that they're easier to take down, except that there was a in the 1890s a rash of cattle plagues. Um, there is, it is rinderpest disease, which is a, basically a fatal disease for cattle. They, they get lesions and they, they have problems in their sinuses and it's really kind of gross so only if you've got a strong stomach do you look at some of this because it's not pretty. And it, it takes them down pretty quickly. And it was taking out entire herds at this time uh, in the, the mid to late 1890s. So if these lions have now learned to hunt cows and, hey, the cows are no longer available and I'm starving... Yeah. And then all these
1: people show up.
2: And I have all these people show up that are making all this noise, and they smell, and there's blood, and they're cooking. Well, then that would explain why they would go there. Sure.
1: If the game all died. Yeah. Is it Rinderpest or Rinderpest?
2: I I said Rinderpest, but it could be Rinderpest. Uh, I'm not Ah, positive.
1: Somebody out there look it up and send us an email. Yeah. Uh, But I think it killed other game. Didn't just kill off the cows, right? Didn't it kill other game besides
2: even-toed ungulates? Yeah. Uh, So that means critters that have cloven hooves. So two, two toes. So it would. It killed giraffes. It killed the antelope. It actually killed some of the cape buffalo, and what was the other one? The devil. No, not the devil. It did not kill the mm. robot devil, mm. um, but it, uh, it you know it killed off all of these other animals. That uh, oh, it was deer was the other one because there are deer in the area. So it's killing off all these these prey animals. So it's not just the cows that are gone at this point. There's a lot of animals that are disappearing because it's spreading through the the entire area. Mm,
1: that sucks.
2: Here's my problem with this idea. So this is the first one that I'm going to say I, I, I kind of call bunk on. Is that if that were the case because this was all over the region why is it only these two lions that we know about who were just going on these giant human killing sprees
3: um i guess my question would be how close to human populations were other lions you know because this it seems like the sort of thing where lions at this point if they have you know few prey options are going to go for whatever's easiest and closest. Uh-huh. They're not going to make 50, 60, 70 mile treks to find a population of humans to get a human in a hut that's like you have to break in and there's like all this other stuff. You get to pick the law versus and... like these two. It just so happened that a huge group of humans were just walking through their territory camping in easy access tents. So, you know, for me, I, it doesn't bother me that much, I guess, because I, you know, I, I presume most people in that area were, you know, had huts and things like that, more permanent structures, that would be harder for a lion to get into versus these workers. That's a good point. It's a permanent structure. Right. Right. Even... They're, they're living in a tent and they're, e- they're like easy access. Cause they've just wandered right into the middle of these two lions territory, you know that sort of thing, I mm-hmm. guess.
2: And do the uh, were there a lot of people living in that area? So it wasn't heavily populated. It was nowhere to nowhere. Remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean the area was very rural. There, it, there were cattle everywhere. But if you think about it, a huge herd can be overseen by a very small group of people. So I mean, and villages aren't typically all that huge. And
3: as you said, these lions even in their most aggressive state, were just as likely to go after livestock as they were humans. True. So if there's humans living in huts and livestock out, it wouldn't be that weird that we wouldn't have reports from this time that if there were livestock that were healthy in... In villages that lions were taking those. That wouldn't be.
2: Plus, the indigenous people who were living in that area probably weren't writing the accounts of the lions stealing their goat and sending it to, to the British. No, they newspapers. were
3: like, oh, yeah, duh, a lion stole another goat weird you
2: know, part of the cost of doing business yeah right. no that's, that makes a ton of sense okay. But they aren't i, I, re- I retract know. my distaste for this theory
3: so i like this theory
2: actually <laughs> well let's go to a theory that uh i i'm gonna see if you really like uh our next theory is bad teeth uh, so mm-hmm. these lions had to go see a dentist
1: Really... I've heard this.
2: There are some researchers, and I, I apologize, I failed to write down the name of these two gentlemen, but there are two researchers who have done a lot of studies on lions in general, and part of their studies were on the Savo lions, and they say that they examined the skulls of these two, and one of them had missing canines. It was the upper left, I want to say, the, the canines were missing and that those were there and then they did some x-rays on the skull and found what were signs of lesions in the jawbone so that led them to believe that it was probably a very painful uh injury and that it had probably happened at least two years before the animal's death and so that would impede its ability to hunt prey as normal because we talked about this before. A lion has to be able to clamp down with its jaw on the throat and hang on. Well, if there's a, a set of canines and one side missing, you aren't going to have as good of a bite.
1: It mm. says people are slower and weaker than, say, gazelles. Yeah. You know. I mean.
2: Yes, we don't fight nearly as hard and as a And our hide
3: is much softer. Yes.
2: We yeah. <laughs> our skin is much thinner. Mm-hmm. Puts the lotion on. I was going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> sorry i beat you to that um so then we go to uh so it wasn't actually um uh, i think i was wrong with the upper left in terms of the missing canines but it doesn't matter because i'm now looking here because they did examine the skull of the second lion and that lion had uh fractures in its jaw which were around the uh, teeth in the upper left, so that's where I was mm. getting the upper left from.
3: well, I mean, I guess so the idea word... here though
2: is that again it it it's hurts and it's not able to hunt effectively.
3: It would explain if they were brothers if they were related, right? It wouldn't be so crazy that they both had this thing, but it would also explain why, as they matured, they continued to rely on each other because they weren't effective hunters, so they had to work as a team to be effective. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't hate it.
1: yeah, it.'s, not, actually it's uh, I don't
3: love it, but uh, I don't hate it.
1: It's not un- unusual. Typically, when an animal does start attacking human populations, like say a mountain lion here in the states, it's usually because he's old and sick, and he just can't do his can't go after the normal stuff anymore, yeah. like deer.
2: But that's the thing: is that these lions they weren't old, so that's one mm-hmm. thing. Is they weren't old, but the injury, the idea that there's an injury makes yeah. sense. I gotta say though, is that if a if a lion's jaws are so injured that for, from two years prior or a year prior to all to being killed, that's a long time before these camps of people showed up. Now maybe it's scavenging on other stuff and that's how they're getting along. But I'm just I'm curious about how they uh, they got to the time frame that they mm. assigned for the age. They the the researcher talked about the fact that they saw there was erosion on the teeth around it and the bone in the socket had begun to grow back where the tooth was at. That's how they determined it. That makes sense. But, I, I mean, does that mean that it was painful and incapable of using its jaw? I, quite. I, that's what I'm questioning.
3: Well, I mean, it, maybe it's a combination of things. I'm just advocating for yeah. all of these tonight. Maybe it's a combination <laughs> of, you know, the so the railroad construction, It you know, it made the slave trade take a step back. So maybe what was happening is, you know, the slave trade was getting slaves picked off by these lions before when they were going or through their territory, bodies. or their dead bodies, or maybe a combination of both. And if you're partaking in an illegal slave trade, you're not necessarily going to be like, "Yeah, it's weird." The lions keep stealing these people that I totally own. Mm-hmm. You're just going to say, "Oh, it's the cost of business." Oh no! Yeah,
2: apparently it was um, the, the the traders were Arab, the slave hmm. traders that were coming through that mm-hmm. area, and that's mm-hmm. so that's that's so, the route that they were taking. I
3: mean it. So I guess that would help us get to this timeline of they had been living on mm-hmm. humans or but the slave
2: didn't didn't start getting knocked back as much until the rail line was finished. Finished.
3: Okay. Well, I mean that that still doesn't necessarily Those. present a problem, but mm-hmm. it, it also I guess on top of that you can say. Uh, but on the other hand, yeah, they if he if one of them drug a goat that was attached to a railroad tie you wouldn't think that if their mouth was in intense pain they'd be able to drag that kind of weight.
1: Uh-huh. I think that probably that did you know, maybe it got a little better over time or maybe they were just used to it. Or, or they're just really they're just really badass and tough.
2: Or Patterson was mm. a liar. Yeah. <laughs> he Edit embellished a word his, out his, there. Cuz that's the other thing is that I I have to imagine that He wrote these accounts, at least the original versions that went into the papers. He probably sat down and wrote those from his journal or memory and then of course had to spice him up to get him bought
3: yeah well it's not as interesting a story if you say these two lions were taking out humans because they were too sickly to take on any other prey and i totally killed them it's way more you know badass to say yeah and it was capable of dragging a goat attached to a ro- railroad tie it was so strong and virile that i you know and i took it down with nine shots mm-hmm. that's a way better story
1: It's a better story, but I I was going to say if I was going to put a goat out there for for bait. I would totally tie it to a railroad tie. It makes sense because it's going to slow the lion way down when he goes yeah. to drag mm-hmm. it away. Apparently, yeah. not
3: slow enough for Patterson to shoot
2: yeah. it. By the way, I do want to point out with the, the whole, it took nine shots to take it down. He he says that with the last two shots, he shot, I think he shot it in the head with the last two shots, but it was so aggressive and it wanted him so badly that it, it was leaning against a branch or a log and was gnawing at the branch or log, this hunk of wood, as it was trying to get at have you ever seen like a, a cat that lays there that's trying to get something and it's it's biting at it? Yeah. Except this is the big version of it. That's what he's saying. But I so think, so these are things that I point yeah. out. I bring up these these descriptions in his his story because it makes me stop and go. Huh, well, yeah, he may have
1: that's... punched it up a little bit, but
2: yeah, that's just that's really colorful writing to yeah. me. yeah, um really colorful writing is actually what gives us our final theory, uh which because we actually have one more, which is that they were bloodthirsty animals who had developed a taste for humans and or maybe were just insane because that's what Patterson said I'd say they acted
1: pretty sane if you ask me.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, that they awesome. were. If they were, if totally insane, they would have just been coming into the camp constantly, running through everything. And said they were very stealthy, and they were really, really smart in how they went about stealing yeah. or getting their food. I shouldn't say stealing, getting their food. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that the Savo lions were were insane. I mean. Like I said, he made a career out of hunting other lions. After that, the, the, there's all these supposed man-eaters that had killed a couple of people. I think that part of the problem, though, is that all these supposed man-hunters are, we're expanding and we're expanding into their natural territory, and what happens when humans and other animals collide? Mm-hmm. well, usually the people lose it first because we're dumb and ignorant, but eventually just through sheer numbers we that's win. firepower yeah. yes, and so I think that that's why all of these these lions that are called man killers and man eaters and insane they're they're actually not they're just they're Pushed to a breaking point And they have to survive Because that's what their natural instinct is Yeah, so uh, I would agree with that My my personal opinion is that I I think that these uh, I I, kind of fall in line with the slave trade I think that that Gave them uh, an idea Of humans, at least for these two Particularly in that area Mm -hmm. As, oh, this is a normal food source Okay Uh, The other ones I'm not so sure about
3: I like the cattle plague yeah. Yeah. Cattle
1: Plague is good
3: yeah. I mean not like I don't like it I don't,
2: <laughs> I, I'm Facebook friends with the Cattle Plague And they put up the best post ever We go out to drink sometimes It's great oh, Cattle Plague Tales the best jokes Really it's true <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: How
1: oh about Christ. you Joe uh, Maybe some combination of all of them Even I hate to sound wishy washy here The Cattle Plague I think is a good one Because you know they have plenty, of, plenty to, to snack on They mm-hmm. didn't need to actually go eat people and then boom, all that goes, and well, you got to go find food somewhere. And these these guys come waltzing in, so ha,
2: conveniently ha. driving right through the middle of their territory. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So what do you
2: expect? Yeah, yeah. righty. mystery solved. There we go. So let's go ahead and give the important bits that I know people really like to hear us repeat every week. We have a website. Ah. Yeah, we have a website. The website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, where of course you can look at links that we will put up for some of our research as well as listening to any of the past episodes we uh We are on iTunes as well as a bunch of the other streaming services like Google Play and any other service that you might be able to use if you're on iTunes, do take the time to leave a comment and a rating uh That's how other people find us if the oh, good streaming one. yeah yeah good rating. preferably a good one if yeah. if you've got something that uh you don't agree with, write us an email so that we can have a discussion about it because we can't talk through comments. Mm. They're, they're a one-way conversation. And uh, what is that email? Well, that email is something that I'll tell you in a minute. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you're using any of the other streaming services and they allow you to comment and rating, do the same as we asked to do in uh, in iTunes. That way, everybody who's using that service can find out about us. Um, if you want to write us an email, you can do that. The email address that Joe was prompting me to give you is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh we take story suggestions, we take feedback, we take general accolades. We will always respond to every email, though it may take us days to get to you, and that's not a reflection of you. That's our workload. But we respond to everybody.
1: And by the way, um, if you're listening, say, five years from now, we've got 20 million listeners. That might not be the case anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But currently, as of this recording, as of
3: 2016.
2: Yes. Um, Now, we are on social media. So we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. So like the page, join the group. There's always fun stuff going on there. We're on Twitter, sideways. Devin's always sending out weird Snapchat photos of herself. Truth. Because it's a thing now. Yeah. We have a subreddit, uh, so there are conversations. If you're a Redditor, that's a place for you to go as well. And last but most importantly, not least, for support of the show, we have a couple of different ways that you can do that. Uh, You can buy merchandise, so shirts, stickers, anything like that. Coffee mugs. Coffee mugs. Those are available through Zazzle, which there's a link to that on the website in the right-hand panel. If you want to contribute directly to the show, we have PayPal. So you can make a one-time donation through PayPal of whatever you are able or comfortable with. If you want to go ahead and do a recurring donation, that's going to happen through Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thinking sideways. Patreon is a system that, or a service where you pledge how much you want to contribute. And every time we put out a new episode, that's what you're going to contribute. So I say that so that if you say, I'm going to give you 10 bucks, and you put that into Patreon, that's going to be 10 bucks an episode. And we put out four episodes a month on a normal month. So that's going to be, you got to do the math there. So whatever works for you and you are comfortable with, and by no means, is any of this required? It is totally voluntary and we appreciate everybody who has and is currently donating the show. It's amazing how much easier that makes that for all of us. Yeah, really.
1: Yeah, it does cost a little bit.
2: It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that having been said, we're going to get out of here and look at Joe's crystal cat collection that he has bought with donations from Patreon. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, We are, though, going to get out of here. And so we will talk to you guys all next week.
1: Meow.
3: Let's go see your menagerie. Your glass menagerie.
1: Ooh, that's right.
3: Let's go to the catacombs.
2: (laughs) Because
3: it's perfect. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Oh, man! I just, uh I don't have anything. <laughs> <Roar>! <laughs>